afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the round table. We are, uh, three of us are the team from staffagency.com. We've got Karen and Josh and myself. We are, uh, Karen and Josh are managing directors. So actually, excuse me, Josh is president. Karen's managing director. I am the CEO and co-founder. Um, and we have Cedric Newburn with us today, who is uh, a dear friend and also the entrepreneur in residence at Western Kentucky University. Um, additionally, he is a business consultant and Cedric and I have known each other for almost two, over two decades now, actually, which is like, wow, that makes us really old. And so... <laughs> Of, right. Oh, that's right. We're seasoned. We're wise. We're wise. We're wise. There you go. We're wise. So, um, what we wanted to talk about today is multi generational diversity, and what this means is that at no other time in history have there been so many generations that are in the workforce. Um, and how this affects you if you are a manager, a leader, or a company owner, or C-suite in a company, um, HR in a company, or even a person within the company, is that there's a richness to be had with all the different generations in the workforce at the same time. However, if the company is not really actively looking to engage and and make multi-generational diversity and inclusion and all of that like a part of their culture, then it, it can become very polarizing and it can become, you know, almost kind of toxic to some of the generations as they're trying to be in the workforce. Um, so we really wanted to just break down like, what does it mean that all the work, you know, all the generations are in the workforce at the same time. And this goes like from boomers all the way to alpha, which is kind of the youngest generation that's going right now. So it's like boomers and Gen X and millennials and Gen Z and alpha. And you have older folks seasoned <laughs> and even more seasoned than us is the boomers. And then you have the alpha who is like that younger generation that will be, that is kind of the younger part of the workforce now. And as we move forward into the future, it will be more of the workforce. So what happens is you have managers, leaders and ownership and all of that, that are, that might be um, a boomer or a Gen X like myself and said, and we have a particular style that we were taught on how to lead and how to manage. And so if we had our heads in the sand and we weren't paying attention to what's happening in the world and keeping up with learning about new constructs, new ideas, new methodologies, then we would very much probably be failing if we were trying to lead a company in the old ways of leadership because the old way of leadership said it's my way or the highway it's too bad for you we're doing it this way nobody cares about your feelings we don't care if you like it or not we're just doing it and they wouldn't ask you they would tell you yes. and that's how it used to be and now people care about feelings and people care about taking care of themselves and they care about what is the company doing to take care of, I was going to say the universe, but to take care of the world, you know, like what is the, 
what is the why of the company? What is the why of the management? You never heard questions like this when <laughs> Cedric and I were growing up. Nobody cared about why. Just do your job. Shut your mouth. Do your job. That's it. That's the way it used to be. So because Cedric has his hands right in there with the younger generation, because he is a professor um, in residence at the entrepreneur in residence at Western Kentucky University, and he teaches, I thought he would be a great person to talk to us about, you know, about all of this and kind of from his perspective, what he's seeing. So said, go ahead, jump right in. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always fun. Anytime I get a, an email or a text message or a call from uh, Noel, I say yes first and then ask, what is it? Because <laughs> I know that uh, it's going to be a fun, fun ride. But, you know, you, you really nailed it on the head. I think um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think oftentimes people only view that in the light of the complexion of your skin yeah. or, you know, your sexual orientation or right. whatever, you know, some of those traditional, but they don't think about some of the big challenges that I think you and I face when we entered the workforce. So for example, I remember my first internship in 1990, I had to wear a suit and a tie. I could not wear my earring. I had just gotten my ear pierced, pierced. I was an 18 year old college student with, a, with an earring and I could not wear an earring to work. I had to take my earring off and leave it in the car. Yeah. Um, I had to shave every yeah. single day. And I didn't, I didn't even have this little patch. You can't see it now because it's more gray than it is black. <laughs> um, but you know, the facial hair, it was, it was almost a no-no. You didn't wear colorful things, even though this was the back end of the 80s. There was a very rigid approach to how you were supposed to dress and how you were yep. to behave. And when you showed up in the meetings, you didn't say anything as the junior associate. You just sat in the back, you listened. And if you had a thought, you had a question or you had a concern, you had to go to your supervisor who was in the room and say something to them on a break or yep. after the meeting. Well, yeah. nowadays, um, and, 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 and I want to put this in perspective, as a baby boomer um, raised me as a Gen Xer, there were certain things that happened in my household. Just like we described in the workplace, it was the same in the home. You didn't question your parents. You did what you were told, even if it was the wrong thing. If they were wrong, they never admitted to being wrong. They never took accountability for being wrong. They never apologized for being wrong. <laughs> right? All they did was said, suck it up. We're going to do this and da, da, da. And that was all you got. Yeah. Well, as a Gen Xer and having kids, I said, no. I want my child to have a voice. I want my child to be able to speak their emotions. I, I don't want to disregard their feelings and so forth. And so we've raised our son um, to be, although we were late to, to have kids, uh, we've raised our son to be uh, a very thoughtful young man, very open about his feelings. Um, mm -hmm. He's very respectful, but yet will sometimes challenge us to say, well, mom, why do you say that that's what's important? Dad, why do I need to do it this way? Why can't I do it that way? Yeah. Well, this is our new workforce. Yes. This is who we are hiring. This yes. is who I'm teaching. And the other challenge that I think we have is that we're doing to this next generation the same thing that was done to us. These kids, they don't know anything. They haven't paid their dues. They need to, they're still wet behind the ear. They have no idea what they're talking about. 
I can tell you just this morning, I was texting with a young man that graduated just last year. I'm bringing him in to judge a pitch competition for my students. He's working on an app for financial literacy. Wow. He's wow. 21. Wow. And he's already gone out. He's almost at the MVP stage. He's wow. seeking, um, seeking funders to help support this so that he can launch it because he identified as a freshman. One of the biggest challenges that college students have is not understanding money coming. It's from true. High yeah, no, my son says the same thing yeah. that, you know, they really should be teaching that. And, and my son's 22 as well, but said Absolutely. the same thing. Like they don't teach that no. in school. They don't, they you know, don't. they don't talk about that. And that's, you know, that isn't a good thing to your point yeah. at all. And, and, and again, this young man is no different than, you know, I teach on average 120 students a semester. <clears throat> and out of the 120, there's probably 100 that are just like the same young man, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a, there may be a few that do fall in that category that we've talked about. Like, yeah, I don't know about you. Uh, hopefully you can live at home for a little while and keep the spirit <laughs> out. Uh, you know, don't cross the street by yourself. But right. by and large, these young people are brilliant. They are beyond yeah. intelligent. Yeah. They, in fact, have grown up with technology that us dinosaurs are still trying to figure out. My my uh, my cousin's son, who's on the spectrum, has a, a famous saying, every time there's something goofy with technology, it says, you know, technology in the hands of a dinosaur. Yeah. Th these young people have grown up with technology, so they understand how to use it, how it can benefit them, uh, whereas we're still trying to figure out, now what happens, you know, if I can't get this cursor to move? Um, so I think I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions that mm -hmm. we have. And if we are really honest with ourselves as, as Gen Xers, especially if we're honest with ourselves, we know what it was like when we entered the workforce and we should stop treating the new entrants the same way we were treated because we know the talent that we brought and we know how we were dismissed. And we yeah. got to find a way that we are open to all suggestions because these young people, they're going out and they're starting businesses and they're saying, I'm not I'm not dedicating my life to help somebody else get rich. <laughs> uh, I'm not giving up my freedom uh, because yeah. I like my I like my schedule. I like to do what I have to do. Um, and so therefore, I am going to go and start my own business and do things my own way. So yeah. I think I think as we look at multi-generational workforce as leaders we have to understand that that is very important and you also touched on it they also want to know what are you doing as a corporate citizen yeah many students are now looking at your website to figure out are you just posting that you've given you know some food at a food pantry around thanksgiving and that's all you do for the community are you true or are you truly invested in making a difference in people's lives because that's what they want to do that's right. very important to them and right. we don't you know again the boomers they were you know, it was the me generation. I've got to make all the money. I'm going to keep it for myself. I might pass it on to the next generation, but I've worked hard. You got to work hard too, as opposed to how can we collectively make the world a better place? And that's where, where I think our millennials uh, are really, uh, frankly, changing the paradigm for business in, in yeah. this country, at least. Um, okay, so before I comment on all that, let's see what Karen and Josh have to say, because they see this from a little bit. They see all different things because they're constantly interviewing and, you know, going after candidates and and talking with HR directors and, you know, 
companies about you know the difficulties with hiring and and who needs to be recruited and all that so josh what are you seeing in regards to just all of this what do you what are you some of the things that you see yeah i see it the way you speak to people it's you know because us as as a core we are recruiters right that's our business where we're in recruiting we recruit so you're speaking to someone you could be speaking to someone that's 18 years old you could be speaking to someone that's 85 years old on any given day doesn't you know it, we have no idea who we're speaking to when we talk to them and you hear like the conversations change the way you're speaking to someone who's a, a new grad you're speaking to someone who's been in the workforce for, for five years and you're speaking to someone who's been in the workforce for 25 years it's it's a pleasure to speak to someone who's also you know been around and mm-hmm. who's speaking to someone like yourself and you know knows how to have a conversation and then when you speak to someone who's maybe this is their first job and you hear the way they're speaking to you you have to coach them you're like hey like yeah if you're gonna have this conversation with someone who you're actually interviewing with or a company you're gonna have to do a b and c and this is what you're having to say and you, you can't say things like this and it, it's really it's different for every person and i've i've been in this business now for almost eight years and you see how things have, have changed and i've been in in workspaces where there's that this is their first job out of college and then you have the seasoned vets who've been doing this for 25 years and then you have the people in the middle who have been you know five to ten years and it's it is it's a multi-general people multi-general or multi-generational folks in one space and you can kind of pull the talent yeah from there like you have yeah. the folks like all right i think we should do this and then you have karen sitting next to me well like hey i've done this five times or six times before with the same type of client i think we should do this oh okay but if you don't have that you don't have that camaraderie. So yeah. I, I love the generational talent. I Me love too. That. Yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah I think it's a huge opportunity, which I'll speak to in a second here. And Karen, what are you? You kind of see it from a different, a little bit different than Josh because you're more operations than recruiting, and you talk to a lot of clients. And in your career, you've run call centers and some different things. So, um, what do you see? Yeah, what I see, what I really think, just spoke true was Gen X or Gen Z and now Alpha will want to own their own companies and not go into an organization because why make money for someone else? And I have seen that time and time again. I, I, I hire a lot of entry-level customer service and my previous role was in sales. And I can't tell you how many people that didn't go straight to college and, and graduated high school and started their own thing. I mean, you know, Noel, your son, you're including your son. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. That's that's something that is real. That's something that employers really need to think about and work around because that's not changing. That is only evolving. That will only right. evolve with the alpha generation. Right. So, I mean, one of the opportunities I see here in regards to that, I see two opportunities for companies, for managers, for leaders. One is a cross mentoring situation where as the company, you know, as the leader of the company or as the C-suite or as the managing, whatever you are in a company, that you can foster a culture of inclusion by helping people to mentor each other. So that would mean like the boomers and the Gen Xers are mentoring the younger generation, which is normally how it goes. But then on the flip side of that, the younger generation would be mentoring the older generation. So It's like in soft skills and how to communicate effectively and correctly face to face and that kind of human interaction that honestly, in a lot of the younger generations is missing. 
because they were raised by this. <laughs> and, you know, they are breaking up with girlfriends and boyfriends via text. They're, you know, that's how they're communicating. They'd rather get a text than a phone call. That's a different world than the world that I'm used to or the one that I'm even comfortable with because I'm just a person, like a person that likes that human connection. So we can teach them about that and they can certainly teach us about technology and about thinking outside the box and about, you know, corporate responsibility and what are you doing for the other people besides yourself. And so there, there can be a nice, healthy cross-mentoring situation in a company that's paying attention that actually makes it part of its culture. Josh. Yeah, this just what you're saying just reminded me a lot of sports. And I don't know if we relate things to sports and business as much as we could. Yeah. But you, you look at like these basketball teams in the NBA and you're like, that's a really great team. And they're a young cast and their average age is 23. They're, they're going to be great in a few years. And that's always yeah. the case. They're a really good team. They're going to be very good. And yeah. then you look at these older teams. They have their guys in their mid-30s or, or their low-30s, and they've been around the, the NBA for five to ten years, and they're great. And then they bring on a veteran who's been there for 15 years, and he kind of like has that stranglehold in the locker room and brings them together from a culture perspective. And those yeah. are usually your winners. These yeah. young teams in sports <laughs> are good, but they don't beat the teams that have veterans. It is right. what it is. It's like it's you right, don't right, have right. presence. And in the workplace, that's a you great might have analogy. Great mm -hmm. young culture, and everyone's been doing this for a few years, and they have they're good young minds. But you don't have that experience, and you're gonna there's gonna be a there's a disconnect. And I I, yeah. I don't know how much we've really talked about it before, but it, I'm sure it correlates, and it has well, to. Yeah, no, it definitely Josh, does. Sad. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and Josh, the the one challenge though is that. We know that the older athletes come in recognizing that the younger athletes are there to replace them. That's the uh -huh. same issue in the workplace. And so there is that that level of competition that I need to, you know, I job security. So as an organization, we have to break down that barrier to say, no, right. listen, we are here. We want you to end your career with us. Right. So we'll say LeBron James, we want you to end your career with us. But in order for you to end your career and meet the goals that you have to meet, you have to mentor and train these new guys that we're bringing on to the Lakers, because that's important as well. You're not going to get the next championship without the rest of the team. And I think the bigger challenge is for those of us in that Gen X, because we are now entering that retirement age phase. Um, and hey, especially speak for the yourself. I, well, I'm not because my son's. Not I'm never retiring. Yet. Okay, these guys right here are going to have to pry the computer and the phone out of the old dead hand at that, like 102 or something. That's definitely going to be me. Yeah. I'm going to because Matthew still has not gone to college. So, uh, but to that end, we've got to figure out a way to make it, frankly, safe for yep. someone to mentor, train, and not feel like they're in essence training their replacement. And the reason that exists is because that's what happened to baby boomers. And that's what right, baby they boomers. Got, right, they got, and that's what they think is going to happen. That's what and they think so, is going to happen. So as the company, what we, could, what we can do is, first of all, you could start to foster a conversation about legacy, yes. right? Because what is your legacy? You can start talking to people about that, you know? And I talk to people about that all the time, no matter how old you are. Like, let's start to think about what is your legacy? When you're not here anymore, what do you want to have, have done? What do you want to leave behind you? And most times that includes, for, the, for a large part, contributing, right? Because 
when I think about that, my legacy is these two right here and the, and the rest of the team that I'm privileged enough to be able to contribute to, you know, in the couple of different companies that I watch over, like to me, that's my highest and best use at this time in my life is to pour everything I have into them and teach them how to lead well so that they can then teach others how to lead well right? Because some of the things that you and I can bring to the table said are, are going to be lost if right. we don't teach, because those things are not necessarily being taught anymore, except by people like us. So yes. if people like us are, are being selfish and not leaning in to teaching others, then a lot of those things will be lost. And like Josh said, the real richness of a company is everything at the table, not just one thing or another thing, because the young people, I never thought I'd be in a position where I would say that phrase even ever. Let me just say that the younger generations, um, they're, they're energetic and they have, and they're brilliant. And however, they're not seasoned and they, and their intuition is not totally like, on point yet and they can't smell like something 60 miles away like we can right. right and they and they don't have that gut reaction like we because that only comes to you after so many decades in the field Absolutely. you Absolutely. know you just and that and that is just not something that you will get any other way yeah you well, know and, and I'm, i know we've talked about soft skills and i see some of the comments as well um that when you think about it, young people today, like I took a type typing class in high school. Oh my God. I, I learned how those. to type. Me too. They don't, they don't <laughs> offer that anymore. And, and yet every day in, in my classrooms, I've got students that have either laptops or tablets or a phone in front of them, but no one's ever taught them how to type. No one's really given them a hard, you know, a hard red lined paper for grammar or for, you know, right. uh, how sentence structure. And, and the challenge that we have is this, is sentence structure as important as sentence content? Mm. So what do we grade them on? What do we challenge them on? What is most important, right? Now, I am, I, if you know this, Noel, when I send text messages, <laughs> my English teacher would be proud of me. <laughs> but my son, when he sends me a text message, it's it, they they speak in a a different language today than than we did. And right, that's, I'm that's constantly asking Antonio, what the hell does that what is, mean? <laughs> all these. I'll all even these ask Karen, what is that? Or I'll search on the internet. What is this that's slang abbreviation mean? I don't even know. That's exactly what I do. But but here's the challenge with that. As much as we want them to, quote unquote spell it out, you know, speak it in a language that we understand. Ironically, that entire workforce understands that com that communication. Mm -hmm. So what what do we want to focus on? Do we want to focus on them spelling it right or do we want to focus on the content and to your point making sure that they can smell it 60 miles away yeah. Yeah. and work on their intuition. Mm -hmm. So yes, the the you know, the the content is probably the most important thing but then building how do we build the soft skills so that way you know they can have a conversation with a baby boomer right 
and it not be awkward for them. My mm-hmm. son, uh, when we when we started our business, he was three years old and he was in the office with us all the time. And so he's grown up around old people, as he says. All Same the with time. Antonio, right? Yeah. But it's made them, but it makes them better at their age. Exactly. I mean, Antonio is so far ahead of the average 20 something year old, because right. you know, because well, when, when you, when we and I did stuff, you were, he was with me all the time. Right. You know, and I think that's um, more genetic than anything, Noel. I don't know if it was just, <laughs> I think that's so interesting. Um, they say, I was reading something recently about this, and Gen Z, I always get a Z and X, Gen Z thinks that adding periods to the end of sentences in emails or text messages is rude. And so they find that it's rude. We find it as proper. They find it as rude. And it's just little things like that. And and too much punctuation is rude and it's too direct. And it goes back to like what you were saying in the beginning about when you were an intern, why did you have to wear a suit with no earring and and a fully shaved face it was because it was the old world of thinking now it's um, changed and i think it's going to change a lot when it comes to the sentence structure and the way that we communicate in that way it's the content that's more important and the rest of it comes second but marrying ideally marrying yep. the two it's definitely interesting it's it's interesting how the generations are different with that well i, I can tell you i had a student submit a an entire paper to me it was an interview so they they were they were supposed to ask an entrepreneur a series of questions and then document the responses i kid you not they did text to talk so they recorded they either they text to talk or they did a zoom recording and they sent me the transcript they and didn't that clean it was their paper. It was like, yeah, okay. so um, I got to ask you this next question. And um, what do you feel about wow. it? That was literally the entire paper. And, wow. and I addressed it. But I also say I'm teaching entrepreneurship. I'm not teaching English. So I'm not right. here to grade your paper for grammar, for punctuation. I'm grading on the content. <clears throat> However, if you want to have put your best professional foot forward, and you want to be taken seriously, you want to clean these things up because this paper is a reflection of who you are as an entrepreneur. And if I'm an investor, would I invest in someone who didn't take the time to right. clean up a recorded message? And so, so that's, yeah. um, we've got like five minutes left because I like to try to keep to time for everybody that's kind of watching us on their lunch hour, if they are in fact watching us on their lunch hour. But so one one point that I see that's poignant, and then I'm going to ask you guys all for advice to managers and leaders and, and folks about this multi-generational stuff. One thing I've noticed is that some of these younger generations have difficulty with confrontive conversations, and that really concerns me a lot. And that is honestly where I think those of us, like those of us here on this call and go and going out there into the world, that is where we can do the most good. Because if you cannot communicate a difficult message to another human being, that's a life problem. That's not just a work problem. If you are unable to receive feedback that's constructive, and if you are unable to have difficult conversations, you're gonna, that's going to stop you in your whole life. That's something that's going to get in your way on in any arena that you play in. 
And I see, I see that a lot because they're used to having a conversation like this, which, you know, is you can hide behind this to a certain extent or hide behind your email or your, your app or your, your, what is it? WhatsApp, Snapchat, all that stuff. You, you know, you can hide there and, and you don't have to be humble and you don't have to be vulnerable and you don't have to be completely authentic either you can like have this facade and and put it into all these things and then function however i promise you i don't care how amazing ai becomes there's always going to be a time where you have to face another human being in your life and have a conversation i'm sorry but i that is just how it's always going to be. So if you cannot have a conversation with someone that is uncomfortable, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to reach your full potential as a human being. So that is, warriors. huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it's right? a message to keyboard warriors. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, this is, that's a real thing, you it know, uh, difficult conversations are part of, the human experience. I, I think though the challenge is model behavior. Yeah. I don't think that any generation has perfected taking constructive criticism well. Yeah. I think the model has always been, um, let me be defensive. Let me explain to you um, why your feelings are hurt and you know that i didn't mean to hurt you josh and i are laughing because we had a difficult conversation yesterday him and i but that's (laughs) that's that's, that's the challenge it's it's frankly a challenge yeah no i think the other and it's accountability on both parts right because as as the person that's that's getting the the having the cup the conversation is directed towards they feel a kind of way because they wait i thought i was good and, and they may not feel comfortable taking accountability for their part, but then also the leader that's directing this to them at times also will not accept accountability for their role in that right. person not having a clear understanding of what was expected. So I think, I think this, is, this is probably a five-part conversation if you're trying right. to do this in 30 minutes. Exactly. Um, no, but you're probably, exactly right. Probably a conversation about difficult conversations is another yeah. show. Karen That's and right. I, we keep coming up, we keep talking to people and then we go, oh, that needs to be its own show. <laughs> so we will, we'll continue this conversation maybe even with you about difficult conversations yeah. because I think that, you know, Karen and I have both studied Brene Brown and her yes. protocol in Dare to Lead. Um, and so, and I actually went through her training, uh, not to be a facilitator, but just to be able to bring it, you know, into my own team and into our own uh, company culture. And, you know, the rumbling. And also, uh, I'm a five behaviors practitioner, right? The five dysfunctions of a team. So that's, again, the confrontive conversation is one of the stages in that model. Um, so that definitely will be another show. Um, if you, if you were coaching a company or a leader, or just even a human being, what would each of you say for a piece of advice to embrace multi-generational diversity in, in your way of being said, we'll start with you. Cause you happen to be directly underneath me on this little floor. We look like the Hollywood squares here. Yes, yeah. Either that. Probably, do you guys even remember that? They're probably, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> either that or the Brady Bunch. Sure. 
we could be the Brady Bunch too. Um, oh goodness, I had something, but again, because of my age, it's gone. I I would say um, expect the unexpected. I think if if I'm a leader working with a, a variety or multi generational team, I should not go in with expectations that, that this is what they're going to do, this is how they're going to act, this is how they're going to respond. I actually want to go in with the anticipation that I'm going to learn something new, that there's going to be an enlightenment that occurs because they're going to bring something else to the table that I might not have thought of. That's why I hired them. And so I think expecting the unexpected and then frankly, challenging if they show up with the expected. Um, I think that would create an environment where multi-generations would say, hey, I can show up and be authentically me. I can be vulnerable because my boss sees or my leader, which I've been trying to change the terminology. So depending on how you treat them, I call you a boss or a manager or I call you a leader. A leader would say, no, Noel, Karen, Josh, I want to know how you really feel about this. Don't give me what you think I need to hear. Right. Tell me exactly how this project makes you feel, what what you see it doing to our customers and what's most important and are, what are we missing? And I think if you can be open uh, from that perspective and then, as they say, own your mess as a leader, that's when you will really gain the trust and, frankly, the, the commitment from multi-generations. Um, that's what I do in my classroom. Yeah. I, I, I'm the bumbling professor. Uh, for the first few weeks, I tell them random stories about my wife and my son and all the mistakes I made along the way. And it's amazing how over the course of three to four weeks, they go from, you know, being rigid to they come up to me after class and they're, you know, they're much more engaged with me because I'm real at that point. Yeah, because you're right. You're willing to you're willing yeah. to be vulnerable. Vulnerability yeah. in leadership is huge. That's absolutely even it. though I was born in the 1900s, they still see if they can relate to me. Nice. Me <laughs> Josh, what do you, what's your piece of advice? To seek advice from people with more experience than you. Okay. You know, right. not just asking your peers, but look for the person in the room. Maybe done it for a double or triple or quadruple. Uh, it doesn't matter how many more years of experience they have. And you seek advice from them and ask. It's really, really, really seek it out. Yeah. So and be willing through. to learn really right from others yeah but others that have more experience than you i love that um karen what about you i think it's really important that organizations not only have a mentorship from the older generation to the new but the newer generation to the older one yes. that may mend a lot of the mentorship that we're speaking of and teaching them skills yeah and having to mentor